Welcome back, dear listeners, to the Pasithea Powder. The following recordings continue the compelling tale of Captain Sophie Green and Dr. Jane Gonzalez, two brave women from the beautiful little planet of Cassandra, and the strange discoveries they made after the war. Last time, Dr. Gonzalez had determined there really was a government conspiracy, and Captain Green had just been surprised by a sudden knock at the door. This is episode three, live from the telescope. Let us begin. Captain Green. Well, this is suspenseful. I suppose turnabout is fair play after the other day's fiasco with Agent Blanc, but still, I hope nothing else has gone awry. Let me know promptly if all is well, please. If I'm doing this alone, I'd rather know now. As anticipated, I find myself more tightly observed than I have been in recent months, which, given that I was already under daily surveillance by a government that has every reason to want my movements controlled, is disconcerting. I can see Agent Blanc now, actually. I'm sitting on my balcony, and he's in the courtyard down below on a bench, watching me. He's not even pretending to be doing anything else. He doesn't have a book. He's... He just saluted me with his coffee, smiling. (laughs) Don't worry. I've arranged my hair to cover my face. There's no way he can read my lips. He's been uh, doing this for the last two days, just smiling and being nearby. Nearer. By. Every time I blink, he appears over my shoulder. As soon as I leave my room in the morning, he's there. He spent three hours with me in the library last night, as cheerful as can be. He says it's because, and I quote, I've expressed concerns about my personal safety, which the Crown takes with the utmost seriousness. He hasn't made me threats, but... I suppose he has his suspicions about my breaking and entering. No matter. I can outlast him. Unless I won't be shocked if I find that he's confiscated my comms tomorrow. I'd be worried they're listening in, but I am confident in Evelyn's encryption key. Rowley herself couldn't break it. Evelyn and I used it to speak to each other during the war, on nights I had to stay at the hospital, and no one was supposed to communicate vital information about personnel or their locations over short range in case of Median interception. Rowley didn't believe it would really stand up to inspection, but she couldn't find a flaw. Brilliant work, she said. And you know, Isabel Rowley really was the most brilliant mind of our generation. Whatever else is said of her, that much can't be denied. I hope you are fine, Green, because if you're not, I don't know how to proceed exactly. If I have to hide my face in my hair to avoid Blanc listening in on my conversations, I'm going to have a devil of a time speaking to anyone in a position of power alone. And who would I tell about what we've learned anyway? 
I certainly can't tell a Cassandran official, and it would draw attention if a member of the Rally conspiracy tried to speak to the Medean ambassador alone. Maybe a reporter. There are enough vultures wheeling around the palace, hoping to get a closer look at Reina Valencia. Surely I can get one of them alone. Maybe I'll claim to have discovered the queen's favorite lipshade. That should get me plenty of interest. Hopefully snag the attention of at least one journalist from the PSA. It would look better coming from you, though. War heroes play better than war criminals. Message me back as soon as you can. Yours, Dr. Gonzalez. Oh, were you worried? How nice. How sweet. How weird. Agent Blanc is clearly a turd and a half who is using his assignment to caffeinate and catch some regulation rays. He's trying to mess with you when actually there's no need to worry. I was leaving that last message when Agent Cullen knocked on the door. I thought about not letting him in, mostly because at that point I was so keyed up that it was easy to believe that he was maybe there to kill me, but also because I had started to pack for the next leg of the friendship delegation tour, and as a result, my room was what my mother used to call a health hazard. Took one to know one. I let Agent Cullen in because I wanted to see what he would do, confronted with all that dirty underwear. He didn't even blink, just went to sit down in the one chair. He had to fold himself into it. Dude is tall. And he kind of nudged a pair of my briefs off the arm. While his elbow was making contact with my underwear, he said, Can I call you Sophie? I have met more people like him than he's met people like me. Captain Green is fine, I said. He asked me about the fight. I knew this was coming. I knew I shouldn't have done it, and I knew I shouldn't have called you after. Encryption isn't much good the rest of the time when I'm out there doing stupid shit like letting every law enforcement officer in the PSA know we're in touch. Actually, in touch isn't how he put it. He said, You're still friends with Jane Gonzalez. I hadn't realized. I corrected him right away. I said, we're not friends. We went to school together. I called her because I knew David Allegros was one of her cronies, and I wanted her to know what I did to him. Then I sighed, all contrite, gave him the whole wounded hero thing. I may not have gotten that across. Ever since the war, adrenaline's done funny things to me. Then Cullen asked, how's your hand? Which was pretty fucking pointed and rude, so I didn't even give him the satisfaction of an answer. Instead, I asked, what's he doing here? Allegros. I figured, why not? It's not every day you have an agent of the Queen's Guard trapped in a bucket chair. I stood up, too, pretended to make a drink. Well, I actually did make a drink. I was feeling jumpy, and the glass was heavy. I thought I might chuck it at his head if he tried anything. He didn't try anything. Turns out he wasn't there to kill me. He was there to explain. I... Fuck, Jane. I didn't realize how tightly coiled I was until he started talking. Then it was like everything in me started melting into the floor. Uh, something's still wrong. David Allegros has escaped and gone rogue for some reason. That is still true, but 
Agent Cullen isn't in on it, and Agent Blanc isn't in on it, and there isn't some massive conspiracy. There's just a guy who got a little antsy under all that house arrest and decided to make a break for it. It's not good, but it's not... (laughs) You know, I think I was actually gearing up to, I don't know, save the world? With you? (laughs) Or some shit like that. Can you imagine? What the fuck? I didn't used to be on a hair trigger like this. Everything's fine. I (laughs) don't know which of us is more paranoid. Never mind, it's probably you. Not that I blame you. I'd be paranoid too if I knew they were tracking my every move, but we can relax. The Queen's Guard's on it. I imagine once he gets bored of sunning himself outside your apartment, Agent Blanc will come in and explain everything and get back to his real work. That's what I'm going to do. I did ask Agent Cullen to keep me apprised of the situation with Allegros. I used that word, apprised. He did a little salute, not a very good one. Yes, Captain Green. He unfolded himself from the bucket chair so fast. It was impressive. If he had come to my room to kill me, he really could have given me a run for my money. (laughs) Everything's fine. Everything is fine. I can't believe you. I can't believe I expected better of you. I should have been braced for this from the beginning. You did take orders from the government for five years of the war. Why not now, too? I suppose I was misled by the fact that you reached out to me instead of immediately reporting your suspicions to your superiors. You've always been like this, you know? You were like this in school. You put on this devil-may-care front, but deep down you like authority. You want the administration to draw a line and tell you you're still on the right side of it. And actually, don't bother. It's all going to be all right, and there's nothing you need to do about it. When we were 16 and Evelyn got suspended for... God, it was it was for uh, handcuffing himself to the dean's office door to protest the military recruitment officer on campus. When Evelyn was sent home, you said all the right things. You called the dean a tyrant. You said it was stupid and unfair and way out of line. You cut class to help him lick his wounds. You were such a rebel. And then, then, you came back to school and took your demerit with a shrug and let the recruitment officer take you out to lunch because you've never had any real convictions. Just a temper you've never known what to do with. So yes, I was worried about you. I thought for just a second you might actually be willing to risk something. Or at least that you'd use your brain instead of doing what you're told. I've been telling you things for days now, and you haven't been hearing me. It is impossible that David Allegros escaped Cassandra without help. Who could have helped him? We are under continued surveillance. We're prisoners in the Queen's Palace. The bracelets snapped around our wrists will kill us if we try to take them off. They can only be removed by the Queen's Guard. Agent Cullen and Agent Blanc both lied to my face. They've been protecting David's whereabouts for weeks. Occam's razor. Don't make more assumptions than the minimum needed. 
It wasn't a secret Median mission to infiltrate the palace and learn all the Queen's Guard's secrets. And it wasn't a rogue agency from the PSA who came down to Cassandra and absconded with a political prisoner, and Allegros certainly didn't become a super spy overnight. The simplest possible explanation for how Allegros got past the Queen's Guard's security is that the Queen's Guard let him go. Think for once in your life. Agent Blanc is still following me. He used to call me Doctor or Dr. Gonzalez. Lately, it's been Jane or Janie. He sat with me at lunch today. He didn't eat anything, just smiled at me while I choked down a sandwich. When I finally asked him if he was sure there wasn't something he'd like from the mess, he said no, and then asked if I was sure there wasn't something on my mind. I've just looked so worried lately, so jumpy and suspicious, and he was professionally concerned for my welfare. I said I was fine, and he said there were always psychological tests we could take further down the line. He actually said, we. He hasn't tried to confiscate my comms, but that's likely because they're still trying to figure out Evelyn's key, so for now they don't care if I talk. They'd love to know what I'm talking about. Do me a favor and don't just tell them. Alright, he's coming back from the restroom, and lately he's been sitting so close, it doesn't matter if I'm hiding my face or not, so I'm going to go. I don't want to do this alone, Captain Green. But if you think I'm not willing to, you don't know me. Okay. When I enlisted, I swore my allegiance to Reina Valencia, the Crown, and Cassandra. Not you, or Evelyn, or a passing whim, or a hole in the wall. Whether or not I am on an active tour of duty, whether or not I actually have a ship to fly, I am a captain in Her Majesty's service, and I don't happen to think that there is anything wrong with abiding by that until I'm given a damn good reason to act otherwise. Your say-so is not that reason. And I'm sorry if I think it's a little rich for a member of the Rowley conspiracy to lecture me on right and wrong. I'm sorry I gave you a taste of relevance, and I'm sorry that's over. Agent Blanc and Agent Cullen would never share the truth with you. Why would they? It would be so convenient for you to be the victim here, but sweetheart, that is just not the case. What you said about Evelyn... If he were alive, he'd want to snap himself into one of those killer bracelets right alongside you. I do have convictions, and I am not 16 anymore. We're on Adamar now. They mine antimony. It's everything Telos wasn't. Coming up on it, it's big and yellow and vast. Sparsely populated, only one major city, hot the planet, not the people. Agent Cullen rode with us. He seems to think Allegros came here after leaving Telos. I don't know about that. If I were on the run, I don't think I'd consult the friendship delegation's schedule and call that an itinerary. Then again, every stop on the tour is at least expecting to see Cassandrans and Medeans. Cullen asked me to keep my eyes open for Allegros, or for anything strange. I'm guessing he didn't mean Mia and Leah, 
pretty sure he either doesn't know or doesn't care about that bullshit. He gently suggested that if I see Allegros this time, I shouldn't go straight to the street brawl solution. He was very diplomatic. He didn't remind me of you at all. Also, I don't know if this one thing bugged me when I listened back through your message. I don't like how familiar Agent Blanc is getting. That's not professional. I'd report him, but then they'd know you told me. I don't like the sound of psychological tests any more than you do, but just take a deep breath. Don't do anything. Pretend this never happened. He'll get sick of you soon. Captain Green, you've made yourself quite clear. I no longer require inane updates on your doings, and I certainly don't require your pity. Allow me to make myself clear. I don't require you at all. Regards, Dr. Gonzalez. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to The Telescope with Eleanor Lopez, an affiliate of Ursa Minor Broadcasting. I'm your host, Eleanor Lopez, reporting to you live from the little world of Cassandra, whose peaceful, artistically inclined inhabitants are still struggling to grasp the full implications of the nation's recent war with Medea, their sister planet. Everywhere in the capital city of Santa Pedra, there are reminders of the war, the rubble of ancient buildings yet to be cleared away, standing next to untouched churches and offices, like a small reminder of the random hand of fate. The laser burns on the cobblestone streets, the presence of armed guards in the Queen's Palace. After nearly 100 years of peace with its neighbor, only 10 months away from not just the bloodiest conflict, but the only conflict in living Cassandran memory, the planet is forever changed. The buildings will be rebuilt, the streets will be cleared, but the trauma of the war will shape Cassandra for generations. And there are other reminders that are even harder to clear away. Here in the studio with me is Dr. Jane Gonzalez, one of the infamous members of the so-called Rowley Conspiracy, the team of scientists led by the late Isabel Rowley, who some say effectively ended the war single-handedly. Dr. Gonzalez, thank you for being here today. Thank you, Eleanor. It's nice to be here. You're the first member of the Rowley Conspiracy who's agreed to speak to a reporter since the end of the war. So we're extra excited to have you. I'm wondering if you could begin by telling us about Isabel Rowley. What kind of person was she? Of course. Dr. Rowley was a brilliant scientist. Mm. She developed the theory behind Pasiphaea powder almost single-handedly. You know her son suffered a traumatic brain injury a few years before the war started, so she was thinking about the brain's response to trauma years ahead of anyone else. The rest of us were mostly there to help her take the powder from an idea into practice. But from the beginning, Dr. Rowley was the person with vision. She knew how Pasiphaea powder could help people. And she was the first person to see how it could be used to harm people as well. Via mind control? That's not completely accurate. Pasiphaea powder induces amnesia and suggestibility, but not the loss of free will. 
But it's still very dangerous when abused, yes. And you really had no idea that these abuses existed as possibilities when the project was starting? No. But isn't it an obvious connection? As soon as you can make someone forget something, isn't the next question, what else could you make them forget? As you noted at the beginning of the interview, Eleanor, this was the first time our planet had experienced violence on that scale in living memory. It was naive, and in hindsight, I think also a response to that trauma, but we were trying to help people. How did you start working on Rowley's team? I was her student. I had worked with her my first year at the university as well. My second year, I was supposed to work with her in an upper-level seminar, but then the war broke out, and instead she recruited me for the project. You were a second-year student when you started work on developing Pasithea powder. How old were you? There were three other students my year who were recruited. I was 20. Wow, when I was that age, I was barely responsible enough to take care of a goldfish. And you were working on a government-contracted Priority 3 project. What was that like? It was an adjustment away from classes in college, I'll grant you. You stopped attending classes? Dr. Rowley arranged to have me test it out. My work on Pasithea was my dissertation. I graduated at the end of my second year. Everything after that was eventually counted towards my doctorate in psychemical therapy. How did that feel, Jane? May I call you Jane? Sure. You were 20, 21 years old. The war had just broken out, and you were hand-selected by the university's shining star to contribute to a project she told you would help people. That must have been overwhelming. Oh, I... Yes, I guess it was. But, you know, it, it was like that for everyone. Lots of people dropped out. I knew plenty of people who enlisted. My roommate joined the Salida del Sol. Life didn't just continue as normal. Wait, your roommate joined the Salida del Sol Society? Yes. Evelyn Glass. Evelyn was one of the neutral zone protesters. Some background for our listeners in the core planets. The Salida del Sol, that's Spanish for the Sunrise Society, if I'm not mistaken, were a pacifist organization made up of members from both Cassandra and Medea. The Neutral Zone protest was their most infamous action, staged in the neutral space between the two planets when protesters from both sides flew stolen shuttles up to the DMZ and attempted to form a human chain. Most of the activists were killed in the attempt, weren't they, Dr. Gonzalez? Yes. Six people died. Evelyn was one of them. Was she your roommate for the duration of the war? He was. Evelyn was my best friend from a very early age, 14 or so. I never would have made it through the war without him. Well, that must have been difficult for you. Yes, Losing someone I loved three months before the end of the war was devastating. Did Evelyn's presence in your life feed into your decision to join the Rowley conspiracy? I mean, he wasn't exactly a friend of the Crown, and clearly he was a significant influence on you. Again, it was Dr. Rowley herself who eventually realized the dangers of what we created. 
and it was Dr. Rowley who decided that something had to be done. When she received orders, she knew were wrong. She made her case, and the rest of us agreed with her. We destroyed all our samples, all our research. We agreed not to let what we'd made be used against the people we wanted to help. Oh, but surely your relationship with the Salida del Sol... My relationship with Evelyn was a factor, sure, but not the way you're thinking. Evelyn was a deeply ethical person. He encouraged me to question the world around me, and he encouraged me to be brave. I like to think that I would have done the right thing no matter what, but I'll never know, because Evelyn helped shape the person that I am. That's a powerful sentiment. One last question for you. Given everything we've discussed here today, I don't get the impression that you regret your role in the conspiracy. Am I wrong? No. No, I don't regret it. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Gonzalez. All right, folks, this has been The Telescope, an affiliate of Ursa Minor Broadcasting. I'm your host, Eleanor Lopez, now with some fascinating things to think about here on this beautiful little planet where not all is as meets the eye. What the fuck were you thinking? You're acting like a fucking Egrin. What the fuck, Jane? I don't even know what to say to you. What do you think we're trying to do on this friendship delegation? Did you think we were here to play show and tell and glad hand with some Medeans and their sympathizers? We're trying to rebuild. I thought maybe if people saw people like me and Anders Lee with our heads held high, unashamed, we didn't do anything wrong. They killed our king. They declared war on us. They stole our resources. Why am I out here begging for forgiveness? I'm not ashamed of anything I did in defense of my planet. If it weren't for Rowley and her band of fucking stooges, you don't regret it? You let our aggressors make us look like war criminals. You gave them righteousness. And now you're telling us about it all over again, still trying to make excuses. I'm so ashamed of you, I could vomit. Just dump her in the th Thank you. Yes, okay. God, thank you. Mm. I'm at a club. No men allowed. My host family thought I'd like it. No swanky hotels on Adam Art. Strictly functionaries, guest yeah, rooms. Yep, dance. fine. Just a second. Yep. Well, hurry Just, up. I'm yelling at my girlfriend. I'm... I'm proud to be Cassandran, and so was... You loved him so much. He shaped your life. People ask me about my past all the time. I don't use his name. He's more than a sob story to score sympathy. I tell them that I was in love with someone who died in the war and that we had our differences, but that I fought to defend my planet so that after the war, he could get another chance to convince me I was wrong. And another chance. And another chance. Cassandra needs to speak in one voice. Cassandra doesn't need this. Cassandra needs people who know what it means to love her. You need to shut the fuck up.
I need to shut up, Sophie. I need to shut up. <sighs> no, that's... Message deleted. Captain Green, if you've returned to doing as you're told, I need to ensure my own protection. The more people know my face, the harder it will be for them to disappear me. If you didn't like what I said to get my face out there, maybe you should have considered not abandoning the truth as soon as it became inconvenient. Now, I'm dealing with quite enough public outrage after the interview, and I'm afraid I'm just too busy to handle you in a drunken rage. In case I wasn't clear, Sophie, we're done here. You know, I don't care that you won't say his name because... Excuse me? Hi there. Done with your phone call? Yes, Agent Blanc. I'm quite done. How may I help you? That's a great question. Who were you talking to? No one of particular import. I thought it might be another reporter. Or maybe your adoring public. Did you want to discuss the interview, sir? If you want to talk about it, sure. I'll just get comfy. Did I break any of the terms of my house arrest? Not technically, no. I didn't reveal any information that wasn't already public record. I didn't touch on anything sensitive. Now that's interesting. That's where we disagree, Jane. I'm not sure. You're the first co-creator since Isabel Rowley to discuss Pasithea Powder with the public. You don't think that's sensitive? How about the part where you specified that you don't regret the part you played in all this mess? I don't. See, that feels sensitive to me. That digs right in a sore spot. I'm sorry to hear that. You want to know what I find most interesting about that? I think you're going to tell me. I'm not sure which part you don't regret. Betraying your government or making Pasithea powder in the first place. <laughs> Jesus. You should see the look on your face. Cheer up, Jane. It's not a bad thing to live without regret. It's good to know you'd do it all again. I wouldn't do it all again. No? Well, that's a shame. A real shame. That keep you up at night? Is that why you spend so much time on the wire with Captain Green? But what do you know? There's still a light blinking on this thing. I hadn't noticed. Man, it must have picked up this entire conversation. Let me get that for you. Message deleted. All right, Captain Green. You want me to shut the fuck up? Fine. Thank you for listening to the Pasithea Powder. This was episode three, live from the telescope. Tune in next time to find out what our poor Dr. Gonzalez will do now that she's all alone with nary an ally in sight. Captain Sophie Green was portrayed by Jackie Hedeman. Dr. Jane Gonzalez was portrayed by Molly Olguin. Agent Blanc was portrayed by Colin Killick. The voice of the computer was Cade Lebron. And the voice of Eleanor Lopez is Jackie Andrews. Narration by that split second after you invent a war machine. Original music by Annie Moriondo. If you've enjoyed our little story, we hope you'll tell your friends about us and rate and review us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and CastBox. You can also find us on Twitter at Pasithea Powder. 
or on our website, PasatheaPowder.com, where transcripts are available. The Pasathea Powder was created by Bad Wine Productions. Dr. Gonzalez and Captain Green will return in Episode 4, Punch Your Lights Out. Thank you.